Welcome to Wildly Wealthy Life, the show that's all about exploring the different paths to a life of freedom and fulfillment and how that ripples through your personal life, family life, and to the community. Join husband and wife power couple Lee and Kat Hughes as they share people's stories from different backgrounds and lifestyles about what it means to live a life well-lived. Tune in and take that first step to becoming the best version of yourself, personally and professionally, here on Wildly Wealthy Life. Health is wealth, and really, and I think I may have even mentioned this on the Mad Findus, but if you don't have your health, then you really don't have much else. So I'd say number one, work, take those baby steps on your exercise and movement and especially the nutrition front. If you have to choose one out of the two, then definitely focus on the nutrition and make small steps to either get help if you need to, or if you, most of us know what to eat and what not to eat for the most part. So it's just pull some of that willpower out, do some of the tips that we talked about, work on your health because this is obviously going to help in your longevity of your life. It's going to help at certainly at the end of your life and your quality of life. We call it at the end of life for sure. All right, and welcome to another edition and episode <laughs> of Wildly Wealthy Life Podcast. My name is Lee. I'm your host and my co-host and my lovely wife, Kat, is right here. So Kat, uh, who do we have on today? Today we have Doug Berdinger. Doug is, he was a competitive weightlifter from 2007 to 2013. He is a certified strength and conditioning specialist and an advanced performance coach through USA Weightlifting. He's also a new father, so awesome. I love the name to a daughter named Rosalie. And I'm just really excited to chat with him today about his unique perspective, just got knowing that he's like from a little bit of a different background from some of the guests that we've interviewed in the past. So really excited to kind of jump into his perspective on financial independence. So Doug, hello. Hi guys. Hi. Can you tell us a little bit about you, what you do and what you guys do in the financial independence journey? Yeah, sure. So as we we're chatting about before we started recording here, my background is much more in the uh, health and fitness realms, um, as you kind of alluded to there. So mainly in strength and conditioning. So I've spent some time in, in some fun places like the Olympic Training Center, National Strength and Conditioning Association, University of Michigan. And then, yeah, and then spent a short time as a director of weightlifting for NC Fit, which is a, around the Bay Area. They have quite a few clubs. So a little less than a year I was there. And then we moved up to Seattle, where I'm currently at Seattle University as an instructor in their kinesiology department. Nice. That's amazing. Like just with your background with sports, I know with that kind of things, you know, it really takes a lot of discipline to be able to push through. I mean, weightlifting, such a limp. <laughs> I lift my body weight because I do aerial, so I'm an aerialist, so oh, I, cool. just, I just lift my body weight. But when I see people at the gym, you know, not doing, just. <laughs> not just, but, but when I see people <laughs> doing big weights, it's always so daunting to me. And to be honest, for the longest time, I've been scared of going to the gym and I've always had this really crazy imagination that the machines at the gym are creatures and they're robots and at some point they're going to come to life and they're going to eat me up. I am not kidding. <laughs> so every time I go there, I'm always so terrified because I always, I feel like I never know what to do. <laughs> and so just for our listeners, like, you know, as far as like, I know your background is in sports and you were saying how, as we were talking earlier, how your wife is more into leading you into the financial independence space. How do you kind of get yourself to partner with her, kind of do go that route together and, and balance that off? Well, I guess if I'm being a little cheeky at first, uh, on my side, uh, in our profession, you don't, there's not many positions that pay very well. So yeah. she's the breadwinner. So I just follow yeah. what she says. <laughs> <laughs> but no, when was, I guess, 24? 14, 2015, somewhere around then, she first learned of like Mr. Money Mustache and, and Mad Scientist and learned of their their Ecuador. They had used to have something in Ecuador and I think they just moved it recently. They had one in Greece and I forget the exact name they call it, but oh, uh, Chautauqua, okay. I think is what they call it. So where basically they get a bunch of these 
speakers, big names. So the one we went on, we went to Ecuador and it was Mr. Money Mustache, Mad Fientist, and a few others, J.L. Collins, who are big names in the space. It was awesome. We got to meet them and really dig deep into learning more of this stuff. And then at the time, I was actually training for what has actually been my last weightlifting competition. So I was like, oh, this is this stuff's great, but I'm just here as the husband. And yeah, I was like totally focused on my competition up ahead. And but my wife just like soaked it all in and she was bit by the bug from there on since has built up her website and podcast and and does well with that. But I just kind of, like I said, I follow her lead and and just kind of, I'm a fly on the wall whenever she has conversations with people and try and understand what I can of what they're talking about with the market, this and the market, that. And the big thing I've always taken away from those conversations that was easy for me to understand was just to try and max out your retirement every year. Mm -hmm. That's my main strategy that I've been following as far as like trying to become FI. Yeah. Yeah. So are couples there that kind of have the same situation as you, like your advice would be obviously, I mean, you were saying earlier that you kind of follow your, your wife and she's like dragging you into this space, but obviously you weren't kicking and screaming, which is awesome. Mm. <laughs> How would you kind of advise some of our listeners that are in the same space as you that maybe you're not, not that you're not as passionate, but it's just not your focus, but then mm-hmm. they're, they have a partner who's really focused about it. Like what would you kind of advise them if they are not really into it? Yeah. I would just say, why not give it a chance even for a short time? It really, if you do get pretty far down the rabbit hole, a lot of things do change Mm -hmm. in the way that you live your daily life. But if you just kind of take off small bite-sized pieces, right, then it's more manageable. You see these documentaries like, you know, like the tiny house documentaries and this kind of stuff that fit into the space and and those people are going all in. I think that's sometimes scares people if it's like that big of a change, you know, oh, I'm going to sell my big house and then go into this tiny house. Like that's huge. But if it's just small investment steps here and there, you know, putting a little way at a time and then kind of let that snowball, things like that, where you can just get started, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, and I think I may have said something similar, the Mad Scientist podcast in the exercise space, right? It's like, you don't have to start going to the gym five days a week when you just last week you went zero days, you know, and that was your norm. Like, so the first week you start, go one day a week and that's totally fine. Or just go into the gym, sign up and look around and next week you can start your workout or whatever. So go slow. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon, right? Right, right. And I think that's a huge lesson, both in just in life and health and as well as money and wealth. (laughs) Nice. With um, your journey, because I, I have friends that are in the like the Olympic level with like fighting competition on that side of things, and I know the discipline, and I know there's the mental distractions and the mental fight to stay on top. For you, could you walk us through a little bit of like how did you get into this strength training in the mm-hmm. first place, mm-hmm. and what were some of the the highlights and some of the struggles that you had going through? Yeah. So. I guess I'm kind of an odd one in that as a young person, even in high school, you know, I started reading about, so Arnold Schwarzenegger wrote this book, The Bodybuilding Encyclopedia, and I read that and was like totally enthralled by it, right? Mm-hmm. And from there on, I was like, oh, I, I want to do something with exercise. So, and just myself being an athlete in high school was into exercise and stuff. So right away, I knew I wanted to find something related to that and then found out that exercise science was a thing and went to school for that. Yeah. So I had a pretty straight path. How was that though? Was that like super exciting for you? Like, oh my God, I can go to school for this? (laughs) It was, yeah. I mean, because even a year earlier when I was, you know, whatever, 14 or something, I wanted to actually go to college or to school, secondary school for wildlife management. So I was like- A total left turn, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, but yeah, like I said, I had a a pretty straight path. And right when I got into college, it was just all about that. And just, oh, English, get rid of these classes. Like, and Mm -hmm. I actually love English and love writing, but 
any classes that didn't relate, I, I was like, you know, your first mm-hmm. two years, get that out of the way. I want to take, and then I went right, took a year between and then did my master's also in exercise science. But what I find funny is that through all of this, like straight line when I met my wife and then she kind of opened my eyes to, oh, there's other things that I can do and be interested in other than exercise science. So since we've been together eight years and I guess just the rest of the world has opened up to me. So that's been pretty interesting. That's amazing. Going back to kind of like when you were saying go in a little bit at a time and how you said, you know, like some people, it scares them because they think that it's going to be this big change. But for you, it's just, you know, gradually. And uh, I think that it is better that way when you, when you say, Hey, let me exercise like one day a week this week, you know, and then gradually increase that because sometimes a lot of us can have high and lofty ambitions (laughs) about things. And then we never get to it because it's actually a lot harder to get to. What has been kind of just your evolution through all of that, like with your growth, like Mm -hmm. where you were in the beginning and where you are now, and kind of just also your, since you've opened up yourself to this, again, all these things, you're like, oh, uh, it's not just exercise science. (laughs) What has also been kind of just your evolution with your idea of wealth and what that looks to you? Okay. A lot of stuff in there. I'll try my best to pick that apart. So your first question is that relating to myself as an athlete or as a coach? Let's do it as a coach, actually, because I think, yeah. Let's do it okay. Well. well, so through my education, you learn all about the body and how you adapt to exercise and movement and, and this. So really, and if I can just answer this as a bit of advice for everyone and how to go about that, the majority of people listening to this are probably not high-level athletes, just my assumption. So you're not going, the majority of high level athletes that I've worked with are training like five days a week, six days a week, multiple times a day, right? But they don't have jobs. They don't have kids, most of them, or any of these other things that come into their life, right? So if you look at training as a stress to the body, you look at our jobs as a stress to the body, kids, I'm learning the last six months are a stress, (laughs) or we call them stressors, right? That they ultimately stress the body. So if you just look at training as stress, you don't want to add all this stress at one time, right? So again, if we go back to you haven't been working out and then all of a sudden you go to the gym five days a week on your first week, right? That's a ton of stress. Mm -hmm. So, or if you're just starting a new job and your direct supervisor says, okay, I've put you on this, million dollar project, whatever fake position we're talking about. That's a ton of stress all at once, right? So you're probably going to break down on day one of your new job because you just got put on something and no one's even trained you yet. Right. Right. So Mm -hmm. if you think of it in those terms, for people who may understand that better than the exercise side, then you'll say like, you'll understand like, oh, okay, five days a week, I'm going to break down much quicker. So then uh, week two comes along and you don't even go one day a week because you're so sore, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you just add a little at a time, then you'll be more likely to continue, right? So add a day here and there as, as the weeks build up and you're continuing to go more. Yeah. So it's more about that continuity of actually going, keeping up with it. Right. And then in this space of your health and finances and whatnot, from, I guess like, what did you consider like a wealthy life as you're going through like the competitions and in that competing space? And then currently, like how has that evolved and what is your definition of wealth now? So prior to meeting my wife, I would have said wealth to me was kind of being able to train every day as long as I wanted, put as much time into my own training and diet and all these things as, as I wanted, right? And my goals were simply to, number one, train to be an athlete. And number two, educate myself to be the best coach I can be. So that also meant wealth in terms of time to read. Mm-hmm. I read all the time. Now, not so much with, <laughs> with the new baby and all this. So I guess back then, wealth to me, ultimate wealth would have been the time to do those things. Yeah. Now... 
honestly, as long as I could get by and buy the food that I needed to support my training, mm-hmm. like the financials didn't matter to me. I mean, I did, I think part of your question was asking how, like some of the struggles that I had. So okay. mm-hmm. after I got my master's degree, I did four internships. Wow. <laughs> so that gives people an idea of how much of a struggle it is to be a strength coach. Right. And, and like I said, now I'm not even a strength coach currently. I'm an instructor at a university. So ESPN throws up and this is a little bit of a soapbox for a minute. ESPN sometimes throws up strength coach stats, but they use the, the D1 FBS football strength coaches that are making five, six, $700,000 a year. Yeah. yeah. There's probably a handful of, coaches in the entire country that make that mm-hmm. the rest of us are making like 30 40 grand a year yeah so yeah um okay done with soapbox <laughs> so, but yeah so i did like four i think it was four internships after my master's degree so that was a struggle and and really the whole time like i said as long as i could pay for groceries and pay for rent or whatever mm-hmm. then i was good and i didn't care as long as i could train right but now in terms of what I think wealth is, is obviously providing financially for my family and supporting us in that way. And still, like I said, trying to put money away from my retirement account and max that out and take these small steps towards financial independence. Yeah. It's amazing what a spouse is doing. Huh? Yeah, for sure. Kind of they similar. complete us? Is that, is yeah. that it? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Uh, and I love your coffee mug too, by the way. We have a, oh, did you see that? I have a, yeah. Super dad. Yeah, have, uh, my BB-8 here. Howdy so from Texas. Texas. Got a, a <laughs> we like mugs, and so we have all these, like, I'm not as a fun mug today, but we have, like, Darth Vader mugs, a bunch of Marvel mugs. It's, nice. Yeah. It's a requirement, really. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Especially if you live in Seattle. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's a thing out here. All right, yeah. right, all right. With that sense, like, what were some of the first things your wife did to kind of I guess like shake you out of your, your own mindset. Like, mm-hmm. How did she help kind of do that paradigm shift for you? Uh, I'm trying to think of if it was, I think she showed me a Mr. Money Mustache article and I, for the life of me, I can't remember which one it was. Yeah. On his, one of his blog posts rather, not an article. Um, but I, I read it and, and remember thinking like, huh, that's a pretty interesting concept. Mm-hmm. And then and that was before the Chautauqua. And then she's like, oh, hey, there's this thing called the Chautauqua in Ecuador. Would you want to go? I'm a homebody. Like this, you know, we're currently, I don't know, I think you guys are yeah, we're lockdown down as well. This quarantine stuff doesn't really bother me. The only thing that kind of sucks is obviously not being able to get to the gym. So naturally, we bought some equipment that's being delivered soon. Um, <laughs> some small stuff for the house so we don't go crazy. But so she brought this idea to me and I could tell she really wanted to do it. And I'm not one to kind of squash any dreams. So I was like, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll go. But like I said, I was like training for that competition. So that was like my biggest reservation was like, obviously I'm not getting in the middle of Ecuador, but ended up being great and learning a little more, like I said. So I don't think it, it was as hard for me to jump into it as maybe some other spouses. Yeah. Yeah. I just know like for like when I first moved out to California, it was like, you know, high cost of living from the little podunk town that I grew up in. Just the whole bunch of shifts that I had to go through. And then we met probably about a year, six, well, yeah. six months into. It was the same year that you moved out yeah, here. And I, I had moved year. out here from the Philippines and we met that same year. And yeah. So we kind of discovered it together. I mean, mm-hmm. similar to to the path that you had, but I, I'm definitely more on the like, eh, I have it. I can survive. Cool. Like yeah. no worries. And then she's more on the, like, uh, we need money for tomorrow. Let's save. Let's not spend, <laughs> not go anywhere. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, it's very different just for me. I think it's coming from the Philippines. You know, we came from a third world country and it's mm-hmm. very different. I was brought up with no credit card debt, you know, everything you have to pay for in cash. So it was just very different. And then, getting married and when you marry you also marry people's debt <laughs> yes 
he married their debt. And so I didn't realize that until I got married. And I was like, oh, wait, you have debt? What is that? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Education so- loans. <laughs> I, uh, I was that for my wife, for sure. I was like, hey, yeah. here's my undergraduate debt. <laughs> Luckily, yeah. I, uh, I got my master's paid for, so that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You saying that reminds me, I, I think maybe the reason why I didn't have very many reservations and it was easier for me to transition is because I, like I said, I had so many internships and I was living pretty bare bones that it's like, I'm used to not really getting fancy things and all this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. And she'll tell you the one thing I'm still holding out for is a very nice guitar. I want an expensive guitar, but that's it. I saw that uh, uh, on YouTube, you had a 30 day challenge for yourself and yeah 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 i'm on this for anyone that's interested and plays guitar or is learning tony's acoustic challenge is like this online community and uh is pretty awesome yeah this is fun listening to you yeah (laughs) (laughs) maybe i'll look into that since we have i didn't know that was public (laughs) (laughs) you didn't know it was public no, well, the internet's that's okay. <laughs> we can find everything now. It's <laughs> cool. awesome. Um, what kind of goals have, or you may not have anything like completely ironed out, but what kind of goals do you and your wife have now that you're parents? Has your idea of like financial independence, your future planning, has that shifted a ton or has this been kind of in the works for both of you? I'd say it's a similar path. So I just turned 34 and I'm hoping by the time I'm 40 that we have hit a number where we're pretty comfortable. Mm-hmm. So having said that, life does take its ebbs and flows. And with having Rosalie, like that certainly changed some things. And we actually like Seattle a lot more than we thought we would. Mm-hmm. Obviously, also not being the cheapest place to live, that's changed some things. We're still, you know, she's scheming every day. And so she's like, we have a pretty nice size backyard for living in Seattle, living in a bigger city. So she's like, I wonder if we can fit a workshop slash mother-in-law unit back there. And so we're just on the cutoff. You need 5,000 square feet or more lot space to have a unit, a dwelling unit. Mm-hmm. And ours just happens to be 5,000 exactly. I don't know how that is, but <laughs> so we made it. So we can do that if we decide to. So um, that's one idea just to kind of offset costs. Another idea is if we do end up hitting our fire number and we want to do some travel and things is just doing the Airbnb thing with our house in Seattle while we're gone and help kind of offset the mortgage that way. So mm-hmm. just little tricks like that. And then I'm always pitching her the idea of, I'm from Northeast Ohio, east of Cleveland. It's uh, fairly cheap to live out there. Yeah. yeah. I'm from, uh, you know, like Buffalo, Rochester, New York? Yeah. yeah. I'm in between those, a little town called Kendall. So Okay. Yeah, I used to drive over into Ohio to get my fireworks and then drive back. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm from like between Cleveland and Erie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, route, yeah. route 90 there. But yeah, so, so I keep pitching her the idea. You know, Cleveland's being built up. Usually hitting the last couple of years, I think top 10 or top 20 cities for young people to live in and all this. And as far as cost of living goes and whatnot. So I think that's always an option too, is to geo arbitrage a little. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You mentioned that you had, I think you said your master's paid before. Is that what was part of your education that was paid for? It was your master's? Yeah. So I received a teaching assistantship with my Mm -hmm. master's degree. So I was a a TA for one of the professors. And so that covered, I got lucky because I guess this isn't really the case a lot of the times, but I got not only my tuition paid for, but also a stipend for work as well. So I got a little cash on the side to help pay for groceries and whatnot. Yeah. Is that something that you were actively looking for to try to get your education, you know, to try to get some assistance on your education or it just kind of like fell in your lap? Yeah, I think it, it really kind of just fell into place. I applied to two grad schools, I think, both in the, in the area, in the same area of Ohio. I went to Bowling Green State University for mm-hmm. anyone who's wondering. 
and it just happened to be part of the package. Mm. And I had also done my undergrad there. So it's just kind of like, oh, convenience. I know all the professors. They know me. They know I'm a good student. And oh, here's, they also have this I can apply for. So I might as well just go here and get it paid for. Yeah. Um, oh, if you didn't get it paid for, do you know how much it would have cost? Off the top of my head, no. I want to say hmm, it was probably like, if I had to guess back then, like 20 grand a year. So mm-hmm. for a two-year program, it probably would have been 40 grand. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I guess I just wanted to really point that out just for our listeners who are parents who are have kids that are trying to go into college, you know, or, you know, if our younger listeners that are still trying to get their education to really look into, I mean, obviously for you, it kind of fell into your lap, but there's definitely programs out there that will help you save what, like $40,000 or more, you know? And so it's exciting to always hear these things when people are saying, oh, I got my college education taken care of. I think it's, it's just so awesome to always point that out because I think a lot of people going to the workforce, that is the first thing that they're already carrying into their work and into their the rest of their lives is uh, student loans. So Definitely. Yeah. And that's another thing. When first met my wife, I realized she takes, she looks for every little thing you can, you know, like she was uh, applying to colleges. She looked for every scholarship she could apply for and wrote every essay and all this stuff. So Whereas I'm, even these days, I always go to her first and ask her a question. And she's like, did you try Google first before you're asking me? You know? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like oh yeah, oh, that's, that's a resource that I can use. Duh. He's <laughs> <laughs> opened my eyes a little bit more to being resourceful. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been teaching at uh, in Seattle? So this is my end of my third year. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. What do you enjoy about the teaching space? So coaching is really a form of teaching, right? Just in yeah. the, in the uh, movement sense. So I think I actually transitioned fairly easier than I thought I was going to. So my first year, I was kind of, I was pissing my pants like, oh my gosh, I'm at a university now. I can't believe I got this job. Like there's PhDs that probably went up for this position, which is kind of funny because I think that gave me the confidence to go into my interview Mm. with this, like, well, I have nothing to lose because I'm not going to get the position. (laughs) And that's what I was thinking the whole time. So I was totally calm in the interview. Whereas if I had taken it more seriously, I would have been shaken in my boots. So, (laughs) but what I really enjoy is the personal side is the development for myself, right? Because I'm not trained in this. So the Speaking in front of students was kind of new to me. I had done presentations at larger conferences in the strength and conditioning world, but on a daily basis of being in front of students was new. And even in my third year, it's still kind of a a daily battle for me as more of a, I consider myself more on the introverted side of the spectrum. So trying to learn public speaking skills and stick to those and then just the the prep work for courses. So I had mentioned, I think before we started recording that I'm technically still on paternity leave, but having to prepare my class to go online. So trying to learn, like we were using Zoom now. I was yeah. lucky enough to have used Zoom the last couple of weeks before this to really know it, or else I would have been like, oh, I got to download this before the podcast interview and all this. But, you know, so again, it goes back to the resources and using them well and and knowing where to look and being in this position has helped me even more with that you know certainly preparing classes class sessions and quarter-long classes in terms of putting things in a proper order that make logical sense for people to learn yeah and also being in the strength and conditioning world of setting up a program for someone who's trying to say peak for a, a major competition or something it's very synonymous with getting a class ready in that you're looking at the end first yeah, mm-hmm. and then building backwards basically yeah. from there. And what do they need on a daily basis, on a weekly basis to prepare them for the end goal that's in mind? 
And that ties in so much with just the financial world. You know, like you really want to look at where are you going? What is it that you want to hit? Where do you want to be? And then everything that you just said lines up right with it. And it's Mm -hmm. just, it's a different, I mean, instead of picking up dumbbells and whatnot, you might be, you know, taking your dollars and looking at where you're going to be investing, like picking up dollars and investing them into different retirement accounts, investment, mutual funds, property, you know, whatever the the Mm -hmm. line is that people fall in. But that's such a, a deep thing is like, okay, you want to be Olympic weightlifter. Like mm-hmm. that's not a small goal. And there's so many days of training and just over, like you said, like the, you don't, you can't overexert yourself any one day. It's a gradual progression. It's a, it's a jog. It's a, a run. It's not a sprint because right. if you sprint, you get burned out. You're going to get hurt and then you're done. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's way, way harder to recover and come back from that. Could you share a little bit about when it comes to the coaching space and you know, motivating your clients to take that next step and to have that continual drive? What are some tips you, you give them or, or what are some guidelines you could share with the audience? Wow, that's pretty loaded too. You guys are good with these questions. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it, it just goes back to that start small and kind of let it snowball from there, right? So that's always the first that I tell people. And I'm actually working on a nutrition certification right now. And they have a lot of actual in their coursework, human behavior stuff. Yeah. So that along with James Clear's book. Yeah. Atomic Bomb? Atomic Habits. That's right. Atomic Habits. Something atomic. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to blow those habits up. I knew it was so, it's atomic blonde. Here you go. There you go. Movie. <laughs> Just anything atomic. So I, yeah, at the beginning of the year, I read that book because Mad Scientist had him on the podcast. And so I was reading a great book, recommend that to anyone. And he has a lot of recommendations on, on what to do day in and day out to, mm-hmm. to help you with your goals. So, but some of the things that stood out to me is like anything that gets in your way of not going then take those out of the equation. So for going to the gym, right? Like I said, if you're just starting to go, then day one, just go to the gym, sign up, get a tour of the facility and go home, right? Mm -hmm. Then the next day you can worry about the actual workout. But getting yourself to the gym has to happen before you can actually do the workout. So what gets in the way of getting to the gym? So if it's the daily schedule, actually write in the time of when you're going to go to the gym. Again, starting small, go for 20, 30 minutes and then just be done and leave. Mm-hmm. And then build yourself up to those hour-long workouts or longer, whatever your goal is. Yeah. If it's you get home from work and you don't have your clothes prepared and then it's like, oh, well, I guess I can't go because that's going to take too much time to figure out what I'm going to wear to the gym. Put your clothes in your bag and take that bag to work and go right after work straight to the gym. Don't go home first or lay the clothes out. So they're ready in the morning and then do your workout in the morning. Your clothes are already there, right? Mm -hmm. Or put your bag by the door, by your shoes. So you're taking small steps and building those small habits, but you're taking any barriers out of the equation that are going to stop you from deciding to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love that. It's basically you're saying, just make it easy for yourself. I always allude to uh, Hal Elrod because I read his book, The Morning Miracle. And yeah. he talks about how if it helps, put your gym clothes on at night. <laughs> so sleep in your gym yeah, clothes. Yeah, sleep in them. Yeah. When you wake up, you're ready to go to the gym and you don't have to give yourself time to excuse yourself or find a way out. You know, And I think it's very much the same with uh, finances. If you really automate everything and you find a way to make sure that when you get your income, a part of it is already set aside for savings and you don't have to think about it. If you have to think about it, then you now have an option to say, Oh wait, I'll hold on to this money and I'll, you know, use it for something else instead of saving. So I love that you're saying that again, just even as simple as your gym clothes, because to be honest, being a woman, I love, um, well, actually, it's because I live in my gym clothes. That is why. Because I'm always working, not at the gym, but I'm always working out constantly with Ariel in mm-hmm. advance. And so to me, having nice gym clothes is a must because it's what I live in. Yeah. I live in it every single day. 
So sometimes I do know exactly what that means when I end up not going to my aerial class because I'm like, oh, what am I going to wear today? <laughs> <laughs> Which is so, so trivial, but it is, you know, again, it's something that it's giving you a way out. And what right. you're trying to, what you're saying is don't give yourself a way out. Already plan ahead of time and take any obstacle that's making you not go to the gym. Just take it out of the picture. So I love that. For sure. Yeah. And, and on the nutrition side, it's the same thing. So in my course, you know, they talk about these habits you build. So for one, like go through your kitchen on day one of you deciding you're going to make a resolution to eat better, go through your kitchen and throw out anything that is not healthy. That's not helping you get towards your goal. Right. Really like closing my ears off to that. <laughs> Just get rid of it's painful. Get rid of all this stuff. <laughs> Can you say that again? Because I need him to hear it. <laughs> no candy, no sugar. <laughs> no um, cookies, no ice cream. Right. But then it's not there to distract you from the things you should be eating, right? Or the meal prep on the weekends, right? So you have all your food prepared ahead of time. You don't even have to think about what you're going to make, right? So it comes back to this idea of decision fatigue. The more decisions you have to make throughout the day, by the end of the day, you don't even want to think about what you have to do. So whatever is within your reach, you're going to eat. Yeah. So make it something healthy. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. I love that. And two, like, I mean, on the money front, it's that what are you doing in your day? Like, what can you cut out of your day where you're spending dollars uselessly? You're drinking out of your own cup, I'm assuming coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And whereas other people, well, not right now with the lockdown, but normally <laughs> like on the way to work, like, oh, St. Arbucks. Amazing. Let me just over here or whatever coffee place that people hit up and then they don't think about it but it's five five six seven maybe even ten bucks if you get some little lemon loaf or something there and um, which always happens yeah but those habits exactly what you're saying those habits are sometimes like the easiest hardest thing to identify and then eliminate you know Mm -hmm. from your from your daily spending to help get get you to that next level and get you to your goals and where you want to be it's really good yeah. yeah. And something I just thought of too, on the money front, I use Ally for online savings mm-hmm. and they just came out with this thing for their savings online. You can have it automatically distribute into little buckets and you can, right. You can name the buckets, whatever yeah. you're saving for, and it will each month. So each month I have it set up, it draws from my checking account and pulls the money I've set and then divides it into the percentage of the total pot into those little buckets. So yeah. now I don't even have to think about it. I'm yeah. I'm saving for those specific things, one being guitar, and it's done with. So I don't even have to think about it. That's amazing. Now, with do you still do the, I read on your blog, on your site, do you still, because you're in Seattle now, you had that weightlifting club that you started in Colorado. Is that correct? Oh, yes. Yeah. Is that something that you have transferred over now to Seattle and like are doing that now or that's kind of like in the past and that's information that I'm reading that's just not updated? Yeah, it's old. I was actually working with a local gym owner to try and start a club here this year, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that kind of fell through. So Mm -hmm. I'm always kind of putting my feelers out to try and start a club because I just love coaching the sport of weightlifting. So still trying to do that, but I, I am doing kind of uh, on more on the personal training side, I'm training clients still like, so from the mad scientist podcast, right. I'm, I'm still using that same platform I discussed on his podcast and still working with him and others there. So something I'm still kind of have my hands in. Yeah. I love that because I feel like you're really like, as you said, you know, now that you're in Seattle, you're, you reach out to a, a gym to try to start like a weightlifting club. Like basically what I'm seeing is that you're passionate on one thing and you're trying to build a community to also find other people that may be also as passionate about it as you or or encourage other people who don't even know that space. And then mm-hmm. when you get in it, they didn't realize that it's something that they actually love. So I love that. Are there other things like that you and why and your wife like love to serve into or give into like in your community? So we were actually just discussing this last night and just kind of an aside to your former point, I've been talking to my department chair about starting a weightlifting club actually on campus that would be almost like an after-school program for underserved youth in the Seattle community. Mm. I actually heard of this idea. They're 
I can't recall the name of the uh, gym, but there was a Harvard grad who worked on building a gym in Boston and doing the same idea, right, of kids as an after-school program. And he would train them and give them jobs as trainers within the gym. So it was a, a really cool concept. And I thought, well, what if I can bring that? Because actually one of the um, Seattle University's missions is to serve. So so that was kind of my idea of like using my expertise to mm-hmm. serve the community. Mm-hmm. And I still haven't given up on that idea. It's just with having the baby and everything, it kind of slowed things down. So I'm hoping within the next year or two that I can start that up and then maybe have kids come a couple days a week after school to train and learn the sport of weightlifting. But going back to what I had said, my wife and I were talking last night about this coronavirus stuff and or COVID-19, <laughs> what we can do to help, mm-hmm. you know, because it is getting crazy out there and people need help. So obviously with my background, it would probably be something like throwing up on Instagram or something daily at home workouts that people can follow. Totally. And for her, uh, she has a, a very large audience with her podcast and, and blog. So she's still trying to figure out what she could do to reach people and, and mm-hmm. try and make an impact. So still working on that. Yeah. yeah but amazing. I mean, just as an encouragement for you, there's like, we have a pretty large circle of like dancers and whatnot in this area. Mm-hmm. But a lot of our friends have been doing like maybe daily, but definitely like almost every other day, there's someone who's like taking Instagram live or mm-hmm. going YouTube and getting live with that and doing mm-hmm. a dance routine or a workout routine or something like that. I was that. just so dancing I mean, like, in my right? living room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so it's uh, like, you'd be able to, I'm guarantee you, you get the school to kind of back you or whatnot, or even yeah. just start posting that you're going to be doing these workouts and people will be tuning in and yeah. watching and everything else. I mean, even just now that you have Zoom. Yeah, there'd be a lot of different avenues you could get into with that. So with our listeners, we usually like to ask our guests, like, what are like three actionable tips you feel that a person who really wants to get into building up their wealth, which could be, you know, health as well, mm-hmm. um, but building up their just three actionable tips that, that they can, someone could take and really start making some movement in their lives what would be three that you would recommend? Well, yeah, I'd say health is wealth. And really, and I think I may have even mentioned this on the Mad Scientist, but if you don't have your health, then you really don't have much else. So I'd say number one, work, take those baby steps on your exercise and movement and on the nutrition front, especially the nutrition front. If you have to choose one out of the two, then definitely focus on the nutrition and make small steps to either get help if you need to, or if you, most of us know what to eat and what not to eat for the most part. So it's just pull some of that willpower out, do some of the tips that we talked about, get rid of the bad stuff, (laughs) but really work on your health because this is obviously going to help in your longevity of your life. It's Mm going to help at certainly at the end of your life and your quality of life. Um, we call it at the end of life for sure. So, and that's one thing I know this is supposed to be quick, but pet peeve of mine is that we all, for the most part, most of us are, especially if we're younger, right? In our twenties, especially, you don't think about the future and what you're going to be like as an old person. Maybe once we get into our thirties, I know I've, especially myself started realizing this a little more as I get older, I start to think about more of the end of life stage and think about what you're doing now that is going to set up older you for a positive life. Mm-hmm. So if you're not strength training, that's obviously going to be hugely important later in life when you can't sit down or stand back up from a chair, right? One of the most simple tasks right now is we're young, but you've seen your grandparents and they, they probably have issues with that. So the more you can do now for your health, the better you're going to set yourself up for a wealthy life later, mm-hmm. right? So really good. Long-winded answer, but that's the first thing for sure. Second, I'd say just like I said, even if you're not fully down this rabbit hole of the fire movement, just taking that first step and trying to, if possible, max out your contributions to your retirement account. That's also huge. And again, we look at like younger people don't really think about that. I never did until my wife got into this and 
really didn't have the, the money to either, but it was more so I wasn't against it. I just didn't know about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So even if you're someone listening and you don't really know about it, I'd say just take some time, read a couple articles and learn what the heck is a retirement account. Right. Yeah. Cause I didn't know. Now I know like, Oh, okay. So especially now when the market's down and you have your contributions set up as automatic, Oh, I, that certain percentage of my, that I'm putting in there is going to get, is going to buy more shares while the market is down. I understand that now. I didn't even know what the heck is a share. Like, so that's definitely uh, beneficial for number two. Number three, those are my top two for sure. Yeah. I don't know. I guess just in the end, don't take stuff so seriously. So (laughs) if you are far down this fire route and you're limiting your coffee and all this stuff. You don't want to buy a cup of coffee. Like if you're on vacation, like, go buy a cup of coffee, you know, like whatever, live yeah. your life. So what? I want an expensive guitar. I'm going to buy it eventually. I, I'm just telling my wife this every single day. It's going to happen. So <laughs> get used to it right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to spend a lot of money on a guitar. It's a one-time purchase. I'm going to enjoy it the rest of my life. So like those type of purchases, as long as it's not one of those like, oh, I bought this exercise bike and now it sits in my garage and I don't touch it, then I think those kind of large purchases are worth it if you're actually going to use it and have enjoyment out of it, you know? Definitely. Awesome. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Especially actually just the last part where you're saying just don't take life way too crazy seriously. I mean, There's definitely a balance in all of this. And I just wanted to kind of bring up one of the things you said earlier, where when you went into that interview for this university job and how you're saying, oh, there's probably a lot of other people out Mm. uh, there that have PhDs. They're maybe considering or passing up because now they're considering you. And I love what you said when you're, when you said, well, what's the worst that could happen? I've got nothing else to lose, you know? (laughs) And I think a lot of us, and to be honest, in my experience, when every single audition I've gone to here in LA, <laughs> every single time where I just go in, I'm like, well, what's, what do I've got to lose? You know, because there's obviously other people out here who are better than me. So I'm just going to go in. The funniest thing is it's literally the jobs that I book the most when I'm literally don't even care. <laughs> so it's really, really interesting how the more attached you are and the more that you want to be in control, the harder it is actually to sometimes you get what you want, you know? Yeah. So, so it's really interesting. Okay. We are now on our quick 10 rapid fire questions. These are questions that we ask our guests and we ask you to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Don't censor yourself. It's we'll, we'll keep it quick and concise. And some of them are related to our podcast theme and some of them are just fun things we want to know about our guests. Are you ready? All right. All right. I'll try and keep it quick and concise myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number one, if you could choose one book to live by, what would it be? Oh, Tim Ferriss, four-hour work week. Okay. Nice one. Your personal hero, living, deceased, someone you know or maybe don't know. Oh, Jesus. These are hard, guys. <laughs> First one that comes to your mind. He's a weightlifter from Kazakhstan. His name is Ilya Ilyan. Ilyan. Awesome. Nice. Number mm-hmm. three, the one thing you intentionally have to do every single day. Intentionally have to do? Well, I got to drink coffee. Done. Done. Acceptable. <laughs> one hobby that brings you the most joy. Weightlifting. Okay. Number five, most rewarding thing you've done for someone in need? Mm, Helped out my sisters financially. Okay. Awesome. First movie quote that comes to your mind. Mm. Did we just become best friends? Do you want to do karate in the garage? (laughs) (laughs) You're speaking to his heart right now. (laughs) Okay. All right. Number seven, last big purchase you made for yourself. Oh, last big purchase. I guess that would just be a few days ago when we bought the um, home equipment. Yeah. Rogue Fitness. Gotta love it. (laughs) A food you cannot live without. Oh, surprisingly, eggs. Eggs. Mm -hmm. Number nine, what is your spirit animal? Tiger. Mm. And finish this sentence. Number 10, if I'm stuck on an island by myself, dot, dot, dot. Hmm. I will play guitar until I die. <laughs> Assuming I have a guitar with Hopefully me. Hopefully you have a guitar. You're playing a guitar somewhere. <laughs> and then maybe I'll... <laughs> Air guitar. Yeah, that'll work too. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Doug. We really enjoyed chatting with you. Can you tell our listeners where to find out more about you? And if you were to encourage our listeners to give mm-hmm. into or serve into something, what would that be? Okay. So they can find me at monumentalstrength.trainerize.com. And that's where I have like online training stuff set up. So if you, you guys need help getting started on working out, please reach out to me. And then, like I said, I'm working on a, a nutrition certification too. So I'll, I'll shortly here be able to help people with their diets and whatnot. And as far as what people can contribute to, I would just say, again, like you got to look at number one before you can help others. So look out for your health, help yourself. If you're in a family that doesn't make the best health decisions, by you starting to change your ways, maybe especially if it's those that you live with in the same household, mm-hmm. you'll maybe start improving the habits of those around you, right? So mm-hmm. I make the food every night for dinner and my wife has to eat it. So she has to eat healthy by osmosis. Yeah, <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> right? That's awesome. the, yeah. And you know, really the healthier you are and the better decisions you make in your diet, you're just supporting your brain health and your body health and anything you want to do after that is going to be improved because you feel better. Right. So that's my, my two cents. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you very much, Doug. We really appreciate the time and all the nuggets that you dropped during the session. So thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys. Wow. That was really awesome. I really enjoyed hearing his perspective on health and wealth. And I love that he really pushes people to, you know, get good in one area, really study and try to become like an expert as best you can. And then the next key is really becoming that coach and being able to teach others how to do that thing that you're becoming an expert in. Yeah. And I love that he basically approaches personal finance in the perspective of strength training, right? Like the first thing that you do in strength training is just building up little by little. You can't expect to lift a whole massive amount of pounds, right? When you're lifting weight without having to train that little by little. So I love that he approached personal finances from a perspective of weightlifting and strength training and taking it little by little. Thanks guys. Hope you guys are enjoying the show. And if you are, please make sure you like, share, and subscribe so that we can get our message out to other people to help those in need. We really appreciate you guys. Love you and hope to see you soon. And for next episode, we have Jerry Board. Make sure you check out his story. He is an educator. And what I really love about him is he didn't even get started on his path to financial freedom until in his late 30s. And even though he started kind of late, he is still now living a financially free life and was able to turn 180 degrees around. So tune in. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Wildly Wealthy Life. We hope that this episode has helped you take another step towards living fully, giving freely, and building a legacy that deeply impacts your community. We'd love to hear what you think about today's show. Please leave us a review or like us on iTunes and YouTube, and click the subscribe button so you won't miss a show. You can also visit us at wildlywealthylife.com for today's show notes. See you on our next episode. Thank you, and may you live a wildly wealthy life.